Salutations, monster lovers. This is Mr. Venom welcoming you to No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts episode number 17. Before we introduce our movie for the episode, let's go ahead and introduce my cohorts. As always, coming to us from the Horror Countdown podcast, Mr. Don and Ellie. How the hell are you doing, Don? Yeah, it's great to be here. Awesome. And coming to you from the former Cinema Attack, Mr. Derek B. How you doing, Derek? Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I totally forgot. It is almost Mother's Day. Uh, we got a little over a week to get those cards out. So This is a great movie that you use for that. Actually, yeah, this is a great May movie. Now that yeah, I, I was kind of suspected that is the reasoning behind it, to be honest. Uh, not I, to give it away, but that was kind of my suspicion for why we're picking this particular one. Like I said, not to jump on uh, anybody's toes or not, but that was kind of uh, my suspicions for what what the uh, chosen movie was for. Well, well, let's ask the guy who chose it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of what I'm trying to beat around the bush for, trying to do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I suspected as much when uh, the, 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 top, the pick was chosen. All right, so enough of the mystery. We actually do have a guest this week, and he is a returning guest, uh, Mr. David Garrett. How the hell are you doing, David? I'm doing good. Glad to be back talking to you guys here. Oh, we're very excited. Always always a fun time to have a guest on the show. You know, we love our creatures. We, we love talking creature features. But of course, David being a returning guest, you know, he's already gone through the spiel of going over his uh, history with creature features. So let's get into the movie at hand. Uh, David actually went ahead and picked our film, as is generally the case. We let the guest go ahead and pick the film. And this time he picked a banger, my friends. We are looking at... 2016's The Monster. What time is it? It's 12.15. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> 
written and directed by Brian Bertino, coming to you from A24 Studios. Indirect TV. Yeah, I don't like mentioning DirecTV. I worked there for seven years, and uh, yeah, I, I, I had I left there on not the greatest terms, but that's a story for another podcast. I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the monster. Something that I had only seen once before this coming into it. I remember having a great memory of it, like really enjoying it. And after doing some research and rewatching the film, yeah, I'm gonna have a lot to say about it, but. Before we get into the movie, uh, let's talk to our guests and let's ask them, Brian, what made you decide to talk about the monster? His name is David. Uh, His name is David. (laughs) Brian Bortino's here, everybody. Oh, Oh, God. How could that be? Um, Actually, yeah. It's kind of interesting is I wish what Don was saying was what happened there because that would have been a great way to close it. The reason that I actually had selected, though, was uh, we had kind of brought up how this is one of the newer monster movies that I had seen, much like you only had seen once, and I really wanted to rewatch it just because I knew there was so much that can kind of be unpacked with it. But, I mean, now that it's already been out there, like, oh, yeah, no, it's because, you know, Mother's Day coming around the corner and we've got this, you know, great (laughs) mother and daughter dynamic. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Hey. Sometimes the universe aligns, you know, and we you happen to pick the correct movie for May. So awesome choice. Awesome choice. As I mentioned, The Monster is written and directed by Brian Boy, uh, Bertino. It stars uh, Zoe Kazan and Ella Ballantyne as our uh, mother and daughter duo in the film. We got a really small cast in this one. Our mother daughter really takes up the majority of the screen time here. And that is not a complaint for me. Absolutely. As I mentioned, this comes to us from A24. We're looking at a 91 minute runtime and our synopsis from IMDb is as follows. A mother and daughter must confront a terrifying monster when they break down on a deserted road. I love it. Nice and simple, quick, one sentence, doesn't give away too much. Love it. Not that there's really much to give away with this film, which is one of the reasons I really like it. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So let's go ahead and start with our general thoughts. Let's go ahead and bring in our guests. So, David, give me some general thoughts on the monster after this watch. Uh, I mean, I guess the big thing for me is that... I like this back and forth that we have with this mother and daughter just because you get so much, like even just the beginning, and then as you kind of go along, you get more pieces to it and everything. I think just their performances are spot on with everything there. And what I also kind of like about this one is I don't believe this is the case, but I know some people have like read this that there isn't actually a creature out there. I think there's most definitely is one, but I like how you can almost read this as their guilt and just their tension kind of being manifested in something that is needing to be resolved before they can kind of move on with their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I noticed that theme on this watch. Definitely the monster could be looked at as a metaphor. And honestly, the, the, the creature can be looked at as a metaphor in almost all creature features, but definitely this one, you know, because of the relationship with the mother and daughter and how that kind of brings us into this film, into the main part of the film. Let's go ahead and bring in Derek. Derek, give me some quick thoughts on The Monster. Yeah, uh, The Monster is a movie, uh, you know, I heard buzz about it when it like, was, you know, because it was released on DirecTV and... Actually, I think the first person to actually review it was JP, and it sounded intriguing from that. You know, and that's when during my 22 shot days, you know, 
and uh, pretty much, uh, yeah, it, it's a movie that, you know, it like uh, Brian Bartino is a director that I, I, he gets better with every movie. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, The Strangers, you know, it, it, it has its fans. I wasn't too overly uh, pleasant with it. It's grown on me a lot, though. I'll admit, and, uh, you know, I've actually never seen his other movie, Mockingbird. Ooh, um, I like that one. Yeah, I've been curious on it. Uh, and then he did this movie, but then he did Dark and the Wicked, and the thing that I noticed in, like, three of those four movies that I've seen is, you know, all his movies deal with, like, these relationships. You know, Strangers has this relationship with the husband and wife that we're following. Uh, this movie has the mother and daughter, and you know, and then in the dark and the wicked, it's the two siblings, the do- son, sister, sister and brother dealing with these situations. And that's very interesting. And you can see, really see in death in his work that he dwells in those things a lot in his movies. And I'm very curious what he's going to bring next. Uh, the performances, Zoe Kazan. Uh, yeah, she's fucking great in this movie. And the thought, I love the the acting in this movie is great. I love the performances, you know, because there's some scenes with Zoe Kassan where you're like, fuck this lady, <laughs> you know, you know, and then you get a little special guest appearance by Scott Speedman as Roy, another fucking, <laughs> he, he looks like a fucking Roy. <laughs> yeah, I love the monster in this movie. You know, I like that it's like all practical, <laughs> which you never really see in these movies anymore. So it brings me back to the times, like I mentioned, like, uh, I know we're going to talk about the monster design in itself, but, you know, stuff like Pumpkinhead and shit, I love, you know, I'm a sucker for that shit. And, you know, I love, like, you just slowly, like, see the reveals of it and then get, like, that nice full shot inside the fucking ambulance later in the movie. And I'm like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. And, you know, it's a ride. Absolutely. All right, before Don comes in, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. I fucking love this movie. I've loved it since the first time I saw it. This is only a second time watch for me. I don't think I saw it in two, in 2016 when it came out. I think I saw it the following year. But this thing really struck a chord with me right away. And ultimately, Brian Bertino is a director that I absolutely love. I'm, I, I, I've been on board with him since the beginning. I adore The Strangers. I'm one of the people that thinks The Strangers is a near-flawless slasher. I know that's kind of a bold statement to a lot of people, but I fucking love The Strangers. And part of the reason that I love The Strangers, and this is a commonality with all of Brian Bertino's movies, is that I care about the people, I care about the protagonists. I cared about the couple in The Strangers. I cared about the people that were taking part in the game in Mockingbird. I cared about the brother and sister in Dark and the Wicked. He's got this thing where he gives us characters that we actually care about, that we want to get behind, and we want to actually see them survive. And I've, I've said it before. I even said it on the most recent episode of No More Room in Hell. I love movies that make me care about the protagonist and makes me actually feel something when one or more of them are taken out. And it's the same thing with the monster. I love this performance. I adore these two actresses. I think they do a spectacular job. And it's kind of funny because in my research for this film, I found some reviews where people were complaining about a lack of the monster in the monster, which kind of got me to start thinking about 
uh, Gareth Edwards monsters. Uh, if you guys remember, we reviewed that mm-hmm. movie. We all overall enjoyed it. We were all positive on it, but we all kind of said the same thing. We wish there were more monsters. Now, here we are reviewing another movie where some people complain about the lack of monster action, but the major difference between the monster and Gareth Edwards monsters is that I give a shit about the characters in the movie mm-hmm. um, in monsters. I didn't care about that rich, you know, the daughter of a rich man getting escorted out of a quarantine zone during a monster migration by a meth like, addict, by a meth addict. Thank you. Um, just, you know, these are all characters that I, I you know, they were flawed, but in, in not very relatable ways. In this film, this mom, you know, she's an, she's obviously addicted to alcohol. It's something that probably all of us have dealt with. Maybe not on a personal level. I've never had an alcohol addiction, but my father definitely. And, you know, all of us can tell stories about alcoholics that we have in our family. Mm-hmm. But she obviously has a heart. She obviously cares about her daughter. She was the primary caretaker for the daughter early on. We see in some of the flashbacks how the daughter is the one living with, you know, her mom and not her dad. And now this movie is that transition of her daughter no longer wanting to live with the irresponsible parent and wanting to live with the more responsible parent. So, you know, there's that little bit of sadness to it that this is kind of a goodbye for these two characters because even though they'll always be mother and daughter, until mom cleans herself up, there's no real incentive for daughter to come back and visit or anything else. So, um, you know, this is a form of a goodbye. But ultimately, this story is compelling. This story is so much more compelling than what we got from Gareth Edwards' Monsters that even though there may be a lack of creature action in this one. It still fucking works for me. I, every, I mean, we don't even see even a glimmer of the monster for the first half hour of the film. It's solidly just this relationship, this, this very dysfunctional relationship between this mother and daughter. And it's just so relatable. Like, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a guy. I don't have, you know, I, and I'm an only child, so I don't have any female siblings. So, you know, I may not understand from a personal level the, the relationship between a mother and a daughter, but I but they portray it so well here that it's hard to argue. So, yeah, I absolutely love this film. This film is a near flawless creature feature, in my opinion. Obviously, there's going to be people with differing opinions, and I would never necessarily argue with them if you found this movie either dull or you didn't care about the relationship with the mother and daughter or you wish there was more monster action. I'm not going to argue with you, but ultimately for me, this movie checked off a lot of boxes for me, giving us a really emotional ending and a really poignant ending, too. Like when this little girl walks out of the woods, that's like, you know, this whole new world opening up for her. And I... I, absolutely love that symbolism so yeah i just Mm -hmm. wanted to get all that off my chest so let's go ahead and bring in our final host don what are your opening thoughts on the monster all right well this was a first time watch this has been one that uh had slipped through the cracks i had heard about it i never really had a chance to uh catch up with it until now so i mean you know yes thank you for that and you kind of took away a lot of uh, the stuff that I was going to say with your spiel. Um, <laughs> yeah, the main thing with this one is that it's very much like Monsters, where it's very much a film that I like, but because we're a creature feature podcast, I want more of it. And that kind of is the 
overall decl- uh, deciding factor for me on this one. In every regard, I, I, it's a great film. I, I love this interrelationship. I think the interaction between the two are, are fantastic. But yeah, for a creature feature podcast, uh, I'm kind of leaning on the I want more of this thing here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that's kind of uh, my big my big takeaway. But the other thing is, is that holy shit, is this thing riddled with stupidity to keep it going? Um, I, I mean, okay, first of all, what kind of tow truck driver repairs the car on the road? Don't you? Well, he, he has to because remember he said the axle is broken, so he can't tow it. He has to he has to uh, patch that axle so that that's he can tow what he meant. Yeah. yeah, that's when he said. Yeah, when he said the axle's broken, he can't tow it. Yeah, because the you know the wench goes on the axle when they tow a, a car. So yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, because I, I remember him talking to them in the car, but I don't <laughs> remember because he goes down to fix it. But I I thought he was actually there, actually fixing it on the road. Okay, so that actually takes away that whole complaint. <laughs> but yeah, the other thing for me because i mean mean, there was like two or three but yeah um the big one for me was just you know why is he repairing the car right there on the road Mm -hmm. but then the other one was the ambulance drivers why on earth are they standing around at the crime scene looking for what's going on when they've got an obvious person in distress that they need to escort immediately because the child's because the child's involved too they have to make sure yeah that's what i'm saying is that they're sticking around observing the crime scene with no backup and they have an injured person on scene with a child who also very clearly has injuries because she's got the busted head. Open. Why on earth are you sticking around there and not, le- you know, not evacuating the area with your charge? I, I can answer this. I watch a lot of medical shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're trying to figure out if they had to tell the hospital if they had to get child services involved. That's why. I, I also thought because of the severed arm, because they yeah. do see the severed arm, and they're probably looking for another victim. Mm. Yeah, that too. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, still, but I mean, you know, not calling in backup. Hell, Lau, cocaine beer did it. <laughs> Don, this might be another throwaway line that maybe you missed, but the, the tow truck driver did mention that the ambulance was going to be delayed because of an uh, accident on the freeway on the road leading to this road that they were on it. Like I said, he says it very briefly, so maybe you missed it, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, I, that, you know, that could explain a lot of why, you know, this ambulance, cause I, cause I thought the exact same thing. You're not wrong. Like I, I even wrote down in my notes when they were looking at the area, I'm like, you're not the police. Why are you investigating? But ultimately if they see a severed arm on the ground, I think it's their responsibility to look for the rest of the body. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, you've got a, you know, a woman in the, that's very obviously wounded. You've got a child in the area that has very obvious wounds as well. Your charge should be getting them out of the area and then calling in for backup. To be fair, they also didn't know that there's a pumpkin head back creature out there. Doesn't really seem like a logical way to go about it. I I don't know. I mean, to me, that was just kind of just, you know, even though I I know now that, okay, you know, the axle being broken and not being able to tow it. Okay, I can understand that. That's something that I can, you know, overlook. But yeah, the, the other one, that one was just really hard for me to get past, but... Yeah, other than that, I, I don't have too much against it. I, I mean, you know, there, there's a lot to really like here. The the two kind of, it, they did have to grow on me because I really wasn't a fan of them to begin with. You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of 
opening a film and having people yell and argue at each other. To me, that's one of the big things that I have with Possession. That's one of the reasons why I, I absolutely cannot finish that movie. And I, go ahead. Hey, I'm just going to say, Don, that's the reason why I'm not really a fan of The Strangers either, because Liv Tyler yells for fucking an hour of that movie before anything happens. Yeah, I'm not even going to touch that up. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch uh, what he said on The Strangers, but it, yeah, uh, just, just arguing on – just immediately being introduced to people arguing is not a way for me to get on your side. Start – you can do it later, but if you're – being for me to be introduced to it and arguing, it takes it takes a lot for me to get past it. It does here, but this is one of the rare occasions where that happens because I, I usually will automatically just check out of a film if I get introduced to people arguing and yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Unless there's very, 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 very strenuous circumstances against that. But yeah, overall, I, I like it. I'm not in love with it. I, I, I The creature action is absolutely the best part of this. I, I do like the final half hour of it. But it, yeah, um, I, I do have some issues with it. Some of it is explained, which uh, that kind of does change my feelings on it a little bit. But overall fun time. Um, I, I didn't hate it. Uh, it's definitely not the worst film we've covered on here. But yeah, uh, like I said, the, the main thing for me is that even though this is a great film and I, I do really like it, as a creature feature podcast, I do have to knock it for the lack of creature action in here because it very much was monsters where it's a great film, but where's the monsters here? It's a great film, but yeah, I want the monster on screen a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, as I said before, that's understandable. Some people just have different likes and dislikes because I'm more into getting involved with characters than the actual creatures. I'm okay with this one. I'm okay with the level of monster that we got. Yeah. Plus, uh, the 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 effect work on the monster itself is a lot better than monsters. Yeah, absolutely. I love the yeah. the creature here is fantastic. I, I loved it. A- anybody have any theories on what this creature is? I, I love hearing theories. Like, yeah. is Yo, this thing a mutant? Is it an alien? What Yo, do you guys think? Pumpkinhead was like looking at like this bat one day and is like, "Yo, I'm gonna fuck that." <laughs> And he did. And this was born. It's funny because I, I look at the creature and I, I'm looking really hard. Obviously, it's a quadruped. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's very similar to, you know, mammal life on Earth. But it has um, like bat fins, too. It's crazy. Yeah, that's the thing. It's got like webbed arms, almost like it can fly, but it doesn't fly. So it, it's Yo, I want a sequel, dog. That shit flies <laughs> like a squirrel. I don't know. Because <laughs> that's what they gave us in Jeepers Creepers, too. And It's barren. It's very. Oh man! But, yeah, I was yeah. thinking more tremors. Really, if you're going to go f- letting it fly in the sequel, it's an ass. Oh, flasher. valid, valid. I'll <laughs> go with that. Definitely. And and the thing is too is this movie is very ambiguous. We get no explanation on the creature. It's just a mother and daughter. They break down on a road in the middle of the night, and they're you know stalked by a creature for the next hour and ten minutes. And Ultimately, you know, on paper, there's not a whole lot to this, but in, you know, in execution, I feel like they got a lot of good things done here. I, like As I mentioned earlier, this thing checks off a lot of boxes for me. Great characters, great dialogue, good performances. I didn't cringe at any of the line delivery, you know. I didn't cringe at any of the monster action, and, and I'm a guy who cringes easily. So um, the fact that this movie, just from beginning to end, had my attention... 
I never looked at my phone once while watching it. That says a lot for somebody like me who's, you know, has the attention span of a cat. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, and let's talk about this creature, guys. I mean, obviously, you know, this thing kind of just shows up out of nowhere. My favorite favorite shot's just, like, legitly when it's just in the background of the little girl when she's Uh, looking at the... Yeah, I was just thinking that, too. Yeah. There's there's some actually really nice cinematography in this, and you know Brian Bertino is not at least early in his career wasn't necessarily known for you know having a, a, some you know quality cinematography. I mean The Strangers isn't exactly a cinematic you know uh, piece of art by any stretch. Yeah, uh, it's like, but, like this and Dark and the Wicked had like the same like type of cinematography. It is fucking fantastic. That's what I mean. He's gotten so much better with his choice of cinematographers as he's gotten as he's gone along in his career. That or the same cinematographer that he always works with has just gotten better. Because it's true, Dark and the Wicked was like a top three movie for me that year. I that that movie that was probably the last movie that actually made me feel legitimate tension. Like I, I people ask me all the time, you know, do horror movies scare you? Do they still scare you? And it's like, well, no, honestly. You know, it's probably been a good 20, 30 years since I've legit been scared in a movie. But Dark and the Wicked, goddamn, is probably the closest I've come. There's some shots, there's some symbolism and iconography in that movie that's just fucking stellar. And yeah. So, so yeah, Bertino is definitely getting up there. Uh, David, why don't you jump in here? Tell us what you think about the creature itself. What I was going to say is, kind of sticking with the whole thing about like Bertino is, he also loves using our characters being in the like foreground and using things in the background, like the strangers when yep. they're in the one room where the guy with the sack head comes out and just kind of stares at everything. Yeah. It's kind of similar to the monster in this one when it's moving around and that girl doesn't have any like idea about it. And I mean, to kind of go in more into the monster itself as well is I, I know it's raining, so that's why it has that like wet look, but it almost looks kind of like a seal at times where it has that kind of like blubbery skin where the water doesn't necessarily seem to be like soaking into it and gives it that like wet sheen and everything that I thought was kind of a cool look. Oh my yeah. god, it's a mutated seal. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too, because when we finally get that full on shot of the creature, his front legs are so long, he almost yeah. looks like one of those um what were the roller skating guys in uh Return to Oz? We're um, wheelers. Wheelers, <laughs> yes. I'm I'm looking at it thinking, God damn, he looks like a wheeler but without the wheels. But I it's still just a great design. I mean, like I said, we we could have a long conversation with theories on what we think this thing is. You know, is it an ancient creature that shouldn't be alive? Is it a new mutation? Is it an alien potentially? Blah, blah, blah. But ultimately I didn't mind the ambiguity in this film. Like it doesn't really matter. It doesn't play into this. this. This whole movie is about the struggle between these two women and this creature. And ultimately I don't need a backstory. And that's saying a lot from me because I, I like explanations. You know, I'm the kind of guy who actually likes a lot of that kind of stuff. Another thing I really liked about this film was the opening intro, the narration by the daughter. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan when movies do exposition at the beginning of a movie like I I just recently watched Resident Evil Apocalypse the second Resident Evil movie and it literally opens with Mila Jovovich just kind of giving us a rundown of everything it's almost like a wrap up you know but in this movie the girl is just speaking again speaking ambiguously you're not 100% sure what she's talking about and then she repeats those words at the end of the movie after she gets out of the woods 
And it just, it, it suddenly, like, you know, the clouds clear and you understand what she meant. It, it just, it really, really speaks to me. And I think Bertino, uh, again, he has that quality. Uh, you could make the argument that maybe The Strangers doesn't have the best writing because there's not a whole hell of a lot of dialogue in there to begin with. Just a lot of quiet. It's just Arwen fucking screaming. Oh, I love Arwen. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, man. How many people watch, listening to this show know who Arwen is? <laughs> That's interesting. You do. Oh, absolutely. I fucking love Lord of the Rings. Are you Hell kidding? Yeah. I- I'm I'm a nerd. I I'm a I'm a nerd. The nerdiest of nerds. Yeah. Trust fuck me. Mike Merriman. I said. <laughs> oh my god. Hashtag fuck Mike Merriman. Let's see what else can we talk about. Uh, is it weird that, that, that I had mm-hmm. like? Is it weird that I think Zoe Kazan's my type? <laughs> god, <laughs> I, I I hope that doesn't mean you like addicts. I hope it's more of a no. look. Yeah, it's a look. Okay. Although I, you know, I did know some girls in that lifestyle, so I, I, I oh, knew absolutely. girls like this oh. character. I think we all did. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say though, did it strike anybody else that um, Kathy literally looks like she's only about five or ten, five to ten years older than Lizzie? Yeah, I noticed that as situation well. Situation where they made him look like. She had him when she was young. That's why she's the way she is. Young is one thing, but it's not like she had this girl when she was 10. <laughs> like, I'm literally thinking. Hey, you never know. It's like fucking the South. Oh, God, don't say that. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, I just couldn't get over the fact that they made these two look so almost cl- like they look like siblings more than mother daughter. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, no big deal. I don't know. What else could we talk about? Let's talk about this ending. You know, we have after this creature takes out a tow truck driver uh, and an ambulance driver with her EMT. And then, unfortunately, yeah, we do lose mom, which was definitely a surprise. I mean, I mean, she's like a major character. I did not expect her to see her get, uh, you know, taken out, if you will. Yeah, definitely a surprise. I mean, do you guys agree with that choice? Like, did you like the fact that uh, mom doesn't make it? I was shocked. I mean, I. So was I, because I feel like a lot of times you'll have, like, the redemption story there where they both survive, so that way mm-hmm. this ordeal kind of fix their situation. Yeah, so like it is Cujo. shocking to see the mom. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's funny, too, because mom does still get her redemption. Unfortunately, she gets it in death. Yeah. Uh, you know, she, she, she obviously commits the ultimate sacrifice, you know, sacrificing herself to save her daughter. A daughter who doesn't... <laughs> I, I gotta say... I understand mom's an alcoholic and, you know, not the easiest person to get along with, but fucking Lizzie disobeys her mother at every fucking turn. Literally at every turn, anytime mom asks Lizzie to do something, she does the opposite. And then the scene where Lizzie actually walks into the woods and finds the dead wolf, I'm screaming, where the fuck is mom? Like, how did you not notice your daughter left the road and walked into the woods? Oh, God. She's getting Jesse's number for later, you know. Ah, fuck. Yeah, Mom. Because Roy's not coming home. (laughs) Roy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, so, like I said, I mean, this is is an interesting story. It's it's a great little story. Aside from all the monster action, you know, you've got some compelling stories here with uh, mother and daughter. And and some great action sequences. Obviously, the movie, I mean, the movie's A24, so you can't expect... 
a, a gore fest, which is the kind of thing that you'd like to see with a creature feature like this. Like, I'd, I'd love to see the gore ramped up in something like this. But at the same time, I don't fault the movie for not having any. I mean, you know, we get a severed arm in the movie, I guess. That's something. And, and Mom gets torn up pretty badly. But ultimately, it's a fairly tame creature feature. It's really more about tension and atmosphere, which ultimately, I think, Bertino does a great job. In- Say what you will about his movie, his tension and atmosphere in all his films, I think, is spectacular. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Mockingbird is kind of a found footage style movie. I heard that. Um, yeah, yeah, which you guys know I love found footage. So I, it's, def- it's something that I watched right away, and I fucking loved it. Like, the ending really got me. I'm not going to talk too much about the ending, but it definitely does have a little bit of a twist. Um, you know, with the game that they're playing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I highly recommend that movie. If you're a fan of found footage flicks, I highly recommend that particular one. Hell great yeah. direction, great, great characters, and a, just a great ending that you don't necessarily see coming. At least I didn't see it coming. Yeah, you know, I love, I love the, like, the, the, the dog was like the fucking, I love how the use of the stuffed dog because, you know, yeah. it's kind of like a MacGuffin because you hear at the beginning where he's playing the songs and then exactly. they use it at the end and it's fucking badass when she has that fucking anesthetic spray and just fucking burn this thing. <laughs> I also like the foreshadowing with the Zippo lighter. Like, early yeah. in the movie, you know somebody's going to use that Zippo for something. I'm going to kill you with my mom's ladder, you fucking monster. <laughs> exactly. Fucking head bat motherfucker. What's, also What's funny, interesting, because uh-huh. with that, though, is the mother keeps yelling at her daughter for having that stuffed animal and telling her that she's too old for it. And so it's kind of funny that that comes into play in the end. Yeah. She throws it away at the end because she's grown up. Right. Yeah. Well, plus it's in about a thousand pieces too. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's true. I thought, you know, some great foreshadowing in this film, good MacGuffins as Derek mentioned. I don't know. What else can we get into about with this one? You know, short of doing a walkthrough, which I don't generally like doing on this show anyway. Um, How did everybody think of Roy? I mean, we, 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 we meet Roy for what? All of 30 seconds. And he's a dick. <laughs> and he's a dick. So I, he plays his character. Well, I, I know, I know why the daughter really wants to move out. Because if Roy's there, you know, when she gets older, it's going to be fucking dark situations. Oh, gross. Gross, gross, gross. He's like Will Side like in fucking Halloween. Oh, shit. I seriously did not need that comment in my life. Oh, <laughs> uh, you would have gotten it eventually. Yeah. I know, but I didn't want to have to think about it. I, I understand. Uh, trust me, I don't want to think about Rob it. Zombies Halloween, I know. No one wants to think of that. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Oh, man, and I don't know. I, I thought the score was really well done for this yeah, one. Yeah, the score it, was it's awesome. not like a, Yeah, it's not spectacular, but I, I really liked it. I thought it really did its job. Yeah, it, it, it hit all the right parts. Absolutely, yeah. Again, I'm going to mention Resident Evil Apocalypse because I just watched it again this week for another podcast. Stars. And, God, that's, that score, it's so generic 90s action movie that it fucking hurts. Whereas here we have, a, you know, a beautiful little score that fits perfectly. And, yeah. you know, you get that heartwarming kind of swell at the end with the music when she comes out of the woods. Just so, you know, they, you know, they had a missed opportunity with Extinction because it was directed by the same guy who did Highlander, Russell McCulley. They could have had fucking Duran Duran do the music. You know, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> oh, it would be amazing because he directed all their music videos. Did he really? I had yeah. no idea. 
All right, guys. Any closing comments on the on the monster before we get out of here? Uh, David, you're our guest. Any any last minute things you want to say? No, I mean just kind of echo some of the stuff that we've already been saying. Is that I could use more of the monster, but even though that we don't, I mean it almost kind of feels similar to like a Jaws in that way, where you anticipation of seeing it kind of helps to build That's some of that tension. More, yeah. Yep. And then, but I mean, really, this is just a interesting just character study and just developing of these two and kind of knowing what their backstory is. And then when they're kind of just stranded out here like this and just seeing that they need to kind of come to terms with all of that really just kind of makes for kind of a heartwarming tale in a way where it's not cheesy. And I just kind of like their performances in portraying all that as it just makes for an enjoyable experience for me, at least. Yeah, I I want to kind of echo that too because I kind of think of this as like a kind of like a day in the life movie, like movies like Assault on Precinct Thirteen, where mm-hmm. you know these characters we don't know who they are, but they all get stuck in the situation, and it kind of makes that situation feel a little bit more real because you know this is a cop here and he's working with this criminal, and we don't know what their history is, we don't know what they did, and it, then it's the same thing with like this movie where you get to see like, Oh, we're just going to go drive. And it's kind of like actually this way that Brian Bertino described it when he wanted to make this movie, mm-hmm. just, you know, a day in a life, but you know, you run into an actual monster, <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool. I like that type of shit. Yeah. And I'm going to echo exactly what you and David both said. Um, obviously, you know, Don is the, the one voice of dissension here who wants more monster. Ultimately, I wouldn't complain to get more monster by any stretch, but I agree with David. I think we got the perfect amount here because I, the tension was so thick early on after the initial car accident. And then after Jesse disappears, the, the tension is fucking palpable. And I felt it last night watching this movie. You know, like I said, I've watched it before. This is a second time watch, but I still felt this great sense of tension throughout the entire thing. Well, throughout most of the second half, at least. And then once the ambulance accident occurs, which is, it's kind of funny, it occurs at, at the exact one hour mark. Like literally it turns to one hour and the monster hits the ambulance. It's kind of funny. And then you've got the last half hour, which is basically just mother daughter versus nature. And yeah, I, I fucking love this. I mean, I love all this entire film, but this third act so action-packed, a satisfying ending, you know, a sad death, which, you know, is kind of few and far between in horror films. Most of us genre fans, obviously, we want to see, we, we go to see these movies to see people get killed, to see gore, to see blood, blah, blah, blah. So to see a movie like this that doesn't utilize the blood and gore as much but still be incredibly effective it, and especially for a first-time, you know, feature-length directorial debut. I mean, this for a first-time movie, this thing is amazing. And by the way, I had forgotten this was A24. Mm-hmm. I totally had forgotten it was A24. And as soon as I popped it on last night and started watching it and saw the logo, it's like, ah, that explains a lot. Because David said it perfectly. This is a character study. And A24 loves their character studies. I mean, St. Maud was my favorite movie from 2021. So that tells you a lot about how I look at A24's character studies. But yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with uh, David on that one. 
Uh, Don, uh, any final words on the monster before we get out of here? Uh, one last thing. Didn't you, right now, you just say that this is Bertino's, like, first-time filmmaker? Like, he did The Strangers before this. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm backwards. Yeah, yeah, Strangers was first. I'm sorry. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at it. I, yeah. I've got my list written backwards here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strangers, Mockingbird, The Monster, then yeah. uh, Dark and the Wicked. You're right. Well, I was going to say, I was kind of distracted by that for a second there. No, but, no worries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, overall, I, I don't hate the movie. I, I really enjoyed it. I think the gr- the characters are great. I really enjoy the time with them. A little less yelling in the beginning, but overall, <laughs> um, I, I I do come to I do agree with what what we've been saying here. I, I do enjoy where where we go. I, I do enjoy the the metaphor with the monster being vanquished, and then that being the the starting point for the daughter to grow up and become you know able to take on the world now. But yeah, just as a creature podcast for this kind of a topic of what we're doing, I, I do want more of it. Mm-hmm. No, that's valid. That's a valid concern. I mean, like I said, I'm never going to get on anybody's case because they want more monster in their monster movie. Podcast, I do want more of it. And that's kind of my big thing is that I, I do want more of it. But other than that, I, I don't have too many complaints. I still really enjoyed it. Probably second. Or no, wait, third on my list of A24 films behind um, Hereditary and X. But nice, very cool. X gonna give it to you. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but that's not a big thing because I'm not a huge fan of A24. <laughs> no, that's valid. I mean, the, the yeah. mere fact that you like an A24 movie is fucking, you know, it's already surprising enough for me. So, I, you know, I, I definitely appreciate here you giving some props to A24. Ultimately. I what them. I was gonna say is <laughs> even weirder because Dark and the Wicked is no, is number five for me when that one came out. So that's a two four light. <laughs> I hear you. No, I, yeah. I'll go with that. Dark and the Wicked doesn't scream a two four. Not like this one does. This one, for some reason, like yeah, I said, that one was like this is Shudder. This is fucking Shudder, motherfucker. <laughs> well, I was gonna say Dark and the Wicked feels very much like something a two four rejected. I'll go with that. Yeah, a, Shudder's Dark like Wicked, we'll take that shit. <laughs> yeah, Dark and the Wicked feels very much like something that could have. Go- if you would have put a two, if you would have put their logo in front of it, I would not have been surprised. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I know it's not, but if you if you did, I would not be surprised if it was. Kind of like Relic. Kind of like I want to Relic. see a sequel. I want to see a sequel directed by Rio Kitamara. Of this movie or Dark and the Wicked? This movie. <laughs> oh, let's make it batshit for the sequel. I like it. That's a he's a great director. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, folks. Yeah, well, oh, go yeah, ahead. Finishing off. Yeah. No, I was going to say finishing off. Great stuff. Just like I said, for creature podcast, I want more of it. But that's just my only complaint. Understandable. Like I said, we all we all want our creatures. We all want more of that, them. That, that Rio Kitamara sequel is what Don wants. Yeah, but yes. I question if that would be practical. He he might make no, that. No, if we're going to go batch it crazy with the Japanese director, let's do Yoshihiro Nishimiya. Oh, he's doing the effects. I like it. <laughs> We've already got our entire fucking Japanese cast and crew for the remake. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that is Creature Comforts Episode 17. I want to go ahead and thank David one more time wholeheartedly. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. And thank you for picking this movie. Great pick. Really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Before we get out of here, you want to tell the folks where else they can hear you? 
Um, yeah, uh, you can find pretty much everything that I kind of produce and everything under my feed, which is Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast. And then I also have a blog that kind of is like a one-stop shop for everything, and that is horrorreview.webnode.com. Nice. Awesome. Nice, nice. Very cool. All right, folks. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us. I genuinely appreciate that you guys take the time out of your day. And we are going to get back to celebrating Cinco de Mayo, something I've, I very obviously have already been celebrating, as I've already called our guests by the wrong name. I've already given the wrong movie credit for being Bertino's premiere. So I'm very obviously <laughs> celebrating Cinco de Mayo. So let's all get out of here and continue to drink in our Mexican beer. And again, thank you all so much for joining us. We'll see you next month. Say Please. goodbye to the folks. Happy Mother's Day. Yes, see happy you. Mother's Later. Day. Later. Happy Mother's Day. Don't get angry.